everyone. It's Becca Pleer, and you're listening to We Like to Make Stuff, brought to you by WSUM, the podcast where I interview creative people of all kinds about their awesome work. Today, we have guest Aiden Aragon to talk about poetry and, you know, the poet lifestyle, being a poet. But before we start, I want to remind you listeners that the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Hello, Adam. How are you doing? Doing good? Um, in this just time? Just trying to ride out this quarantine um, with some of my favorite activities, reading, writing. Amazing. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I know my fellow people here at WSEM, fellow show hosts are trying to get by with some some of their favorite albums and trying to continue their work the best they can. Right now we're uh, recording kind of a phone call style because social distancing is important, obviously. Um, so we cannot do this in person, unfortunately. Uh, so apologies if the audio quality isn't up to its normal standards, but we're doing the best we can here. Okay, so um, Aiden, you are a poet to my knowledge. Would you agree? I, I guess I would agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've already talked about poetry on this podcast with Alpha, friend of the pod, as we like to say in the biz. We're also going to be talking about a, a topic that I'm personally really interested in uh, that we're kind of going to get into in the second half, which is the idea of why artists hate their own work. But before we get into all that um, existential thinky stuff, let's just talk about your work. So what's your pitch, your elevator pitch to the people listening at home? Well, I guess like what I do specifically is that um, I am a poet. I've always wanted to be an artist of some kind ever since I was little. For years, I didn't know what that was going to be until like my junior year when I finally realized that like I could write creatively and specifically write poetry and due to that I almost failed chemistry that year because I spent a lot of my study time trying to write poems and read poems listen to people read their poems um try to copy that style and it never really worked out but now I'm here writing my own work and going to college to study creative writing and the writing of poems I write a lot about what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. I tend to linger in an area of narrative work versus more lyrical poetry. Like, I wish I could write really beautiful lines that kind of feel full of images rather than being like, oh, I'm going to start you here at the beginning of the story and move you to the end. But I kind of am that narrative poet. I tend to work also in like a confessional mode of writing. So like the mo most of the time, the I or the speaker of my poems is myself, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. I, I consider it fortunate. I have been privileged enough to read and see a lot of your work and I quite enjoy it. So I think what you're doing, you're doing well. The way I started was just mimicking other people's writing because it's like, oh, I like the way you write. How about I try to write like you? Having to find my own voice was a struggle, but then I got there eventually when I was like, oh, stop writing like other people. 
that actually goes well into my next question, um, which is kind of what you just answered. How did you how did you first get into poetry? How did you learn how to write poems? And then what experiences stand out to you as especially valuable or formative in your poetry education um, and experimentation? Well, what like initially got me into poetry, like I've said before a little bit, was that in junior year, I have like a very vivid memory of sitting down for class one day for like art class and working on something and being like, you know what, I want to listen to a podcast. And like I found one and it was hosted by like four queer writers. Um, and like one, like one of them wrote poetry and like I went to read his work and like then I was like, wait, I can write poetry and it isn't like this old kind of antiquated thing. Um, and it never has been. Poetry often like interacts with um, what's going on in the world very, very easily, more so than some other forms of art possibly. And then so I was just like reading a lot of work, reading a lot of things, listening to people read their poems and taking it in often as that kind of auditory thing. Cause like as a high school student, I couldn't necessarily afford to get books and like my library didn't have a lot of books of poetry. So I was listening to YouTube videos and listening to podcasts and readings and then like taking into that the effect of sound in poetry. So like I was just sitting there reading poems aloud in my aloud or like in my head in other people's voices. And that kind of like got me to where I am now. The consumption of poetry is what led to me being able to write it. Some big moments have been people who would encourage me. It was this weird thing that kind of felt childish for me to pursue because like it was high school and it was junior year. It was like, we were getting ready for the ACTs and all of a sudden I was just like, you know what? Well, everyone else around me seems to be heading off to school for like medicine or like science and that kind of thing. I grew up in a place where tech school was heavily pushed on us. I was all of a sudden like, I want to be an artist. Like I finally figured out what I wanted to do and it felt childish. So having people along the way, like English teachers, encouraging me was very important. And like the act of, even though it was harmful to my grades in some way, just coming back to it day after day to work on writing and then seeing results from it. I have to say the one of the most impactful things is getting a rejection because getting a rejection, I'm kind of numb to them at this point, but getting them makes getting that acceptance feel <laughs> so much more sweet. And I'm not just talking um, in terms of getting things published, which was a big deal for me at one time, but also a big stressor. But like signing up for things, like I applied to a couple different writing residencies, camps, contests. And then like being rejected by like, I applied, I think junior year to like three or four. And this one that I'd tr been trying to get into so hard, just flat out, they got so many applicants that they didn't even send out a rejection. So I didn't realize that I was rejected until like 10 days after their acceptances went out. And then like oh, finally later on getting accepted to this one Kenyan young writers to go over the summer and be like taken seriously as someone who wanted to pursue writing. 
meant so much to me. And like that was a formative experience because it was two weeks with these professional writers and other people my age who liked writing, just being able to nerd out about poetry and essays and things like that, that I wasn't getting access to where I lived. How do you write your poems? Is there a specific process you go um, through? The process yeah. can be like different depending on the poem. Um, I'm really bad at being consistent, honestly. I'm trying to push myself this month specifically to finally do like a consistent 30-30 where you write a poem a day for 30 days. Yeah, I think I saw that on your Instagram. Because April is National Poetry Month, so a lot of poets tend to try to write a poem a day. But like my process kind of, it comes from that place of listening to poems and sound. Because when I first started writing poems, I didn't know how like line breaks were supposed to work and how white space was supposed to take effect in poems. Because that's like the really interesting part about poetry in comparison to other written forms of art is that poetry is not only like this written or auditory thing, but looking at the page, it is also a visual art form in some ways. Uh, it's more yeah. so, I guess, when you do like concrete poetry, but that can be argued. So for me, like white space often would indicate pauses or drama. Um, and I've moved on. And a big thing about it is how would this sound? I think a lot about um, the way that certain things to me when I read them, how they sound in my head like how a block of text that doesn't have like very noticeable line breaks may feel more rushed or like how these things will feel. So I'm just thinking a lot about sound and feeling and really I just kind of let the poems do what they want to do. I'm really bad in at form in that way because I tend to not be focused enough to stick to a form when drafting. And so then I just kind of let them come out. I wish that I could learn different ways and I could be better at writing form, but I'm still also fairly new on my journey as a poet. But yeah, for me, they usually like, I want them to be organic, but like, it'll be like a phrase or an idea pops into my head and I write it down. Lately, it's been titles. So when you say form, are you talking about the way you write is more of a stream of consciousness rather than a specific like stanzas and all that yeah, kind I'm of talking, a thing? I don't know exactly what form is. because I'm, I'm not talking about how I generally write, which is just whatever comes to my head. The line breaks and things have the meanings I give them rather than a form like a sonnet or a pantoum or a sestina, which has a more rigid oh. set of rules for what you do like a sonnet is always going to be 14 lines, 10 syllables in each line or whatever. However, like some of the most interesting things can be when established poets do break those forms. But like, I struggle with inform a lot. So I'm trying to work harder at doing these things. But yeah, that's form versus just kind of writing poems. What you were talking about earlier also segues so nicely into my next question, which is what inspires you to write? I am really often inspired by other people's writing. Some of my favorite books kind of, those are what get me to continue writing. Like growing up and reading 
mythology by Edith Hamilton, which is just like a compilation of different myths and her kind of analyses of some of them. And then like getting older and reading books like Nature Poem by Tommy Pico or Lucille Clifton, anything by Lucille Clifton or Insert Boy by Denez Smith, those kind of things. It's other people's writing is what inspires me to write because I want, I kind of still want to be like them. And then like the actual writing itself is often inspired by my own life or my aspirations. Like I have a series of poems I'd been working on that were imaginary boyfriend poems that it's just like, I spent years in the closet and years just unable to like kind of think about that, but I still thought about it in the way of just like, who would these guys be? Do you write anything besides poetry? My hope is to get into like, because I write my poems often about myself or like my own experiences is to get into personal essay or memoir type writing. So I'd love to get into that kind of work. I don't necessarily write it that much now, but like it's the hope to do something like that. I wrote like a hybrid poem, personal essay thing recently that like honestly, terrified me and so like that's the kind of thing I want to I want to get into trying to write essays or like hybrid works. Have you ever participated in a poetry contest or performed your poems for an audience? I was in high school I did forensics and one year I did read my own poem. I tried to get on the UW-Madison slam team I didn't oh, know we had Uprise a slam Poetry team. Collective. They are amazing. Yeah, Uprise, Uprise Poetry, Poetry Collective, Collective is amazing. Shout Full out. Amazing, wonderful poets. Outside of that, I haven't had many opportunities to like perform because I'm so new and haven't necessarily done that much. In terms of contests, I haven't I haven't like won any like um, contests aside from like regional scholastic contest which if you wrote in high school you might know about my one kind of contest thing that really it struck me because I wasn't prepared I wasn't expecting it I actually I hadn't checked my email that day so I saw the notification on Twitter before I saw it um, myself was that a press that had published one of my poems early, very early on and when I started publishing work, nominated that poem for Best of the Net, which is a contest um, um, anthology that this one, with this one press, uh, the name is escaping me right now, does where they just ask magazines that publish exclusively online to nominate the best work that they've published or the be- what they believe is the best work they've published over the year and receiving that nomination was really kind of inter- was really um exciting and like fun that's so cool yeah so that actually you just mentioned publishing poems so i was going to ask can you walk us through the publishing process on your end Okay, so the publishing process on my end is that, one, I had no one formally teach me how to write poems, so it was terrifying. 
And two, no one taught me how to submit writing, like unsolicited anywhere. So that was also terrifying. As this 18 year old, which is, that's how old I was when I first like started writing and started sending work out. As this just, this very nervous 18 year old in high school who had never like had any experience with this kind of stuff. It was so daunting. The first thing I did was when I had started listening to the podcast that got me into writing, I created a fake Twitter account, like an anonymous Twitter account where I followed them and then through them and other writers who I had heard about or had read their work, I just kept following different writers and following then through them different like literary magazines and finding out places where you could submit writing and do different things. And that's how I kind of got into like the internet sphere of things was like through Twitter is how I found out about kind of how to get published. And then it was just the terrifying act of actually trying to do it, trying to write cover letters and put together packets of poems I thought were good enough to be published. And then that, was a breeze then compared to what comes after that, which is the waiting. Because I was going for these smaller literary magazines or online publications. A lot of their staff is volunteer based or they don't have that many people or they they get way more submissions than they publish. For most places they publish maybe 10% of what gets submitted or less. That's a random number I pulled out of nowhere, but it seemed correct. You wait for like weeks, some months to get a response. And a lot of times it's no. There is a rejection, a form rejection, which goes out to most people who submit. And then you might get a tiered rejection, which might have comments from the editor who's like, hey, yeah, it was really close, but it just wasn't right at this time. Usually form rejection or not, they end with like, please consider submitting work again. And like, it can get disheartening because you're just like rejection on rejection on rejection. But eventually you get an acceptance and it's like, wow, my poem is actually going to be out in the world. And then it's like, yeah, your poem will be published. Like in a couple months, you submitted the poem, you waited a couple, waited weeks to months to hear back and then now you have to wait months again to see it out in the world. It's just so much waiting that is frustrating. Let's say you submitted a work in the beginning of this year or something and then you waited months and you heard back and it's going to be published so you're waiting months again and then like maybe I'm just guessing here and a half the year has gone by since you've written the poem or initially submitted it and it's finally published. Would your, I guess, writing style or your writing focus be in a completely different place? And then is there ever a feeling where you're like, wow, this poem is being published now, but it's not an accurate reflection of how I'm feeling now or how my writing is now? In my experience, it's been long, but not to the point of like a full year yet, at least. But it does get to the point where it's like, wow, I wrote this so long ago. And it's like, 
like sometimes it might be a couple of weeks, sometimes it might even be like a day or something, but it usually is longer and you get to the point and then you look at what's published. And for me, at least at the time things are published, I'm usually really excited about them. I spread the word on Twitter or on Instagram and I'm like, hey, I have this new thing out at this magazine, um, please read it and read the rest of the amazing issue. But then there's other things where it's like, wow, I really wish that I wouldn't have submitted that even sometimes. At least early on, I got like that kind of point where I'd look back at things and be like, I kind of hate this. I kind of wish I hadn't submitted it. That was a way, a way I was feeling for a while. But then I kind of thought about it more and thought about the fact that what I love about having work published and online is seeing people interact with it, seeing someone tweet out like a line that they loved or like a feeling that um, the work made them have. I can't necessarily hate anything I've written because I made it. And it's, and in my case, especially it's about me. So then each poem is kind of in a way a part of myself and self-hatred is very bad. <laughs> um, it's something that a lot of people I know I do have to work through. And so I get to the point where I'm like, the act of me hating on this poem and like putting it down, one is putting myself down and then is also putting, in a way, putting down the reader who loved that poem. The oh, reader okay. who found something in that work. I approach my poems and I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with this voice anymore. I don't feel as connected to this piece as I once did. Some things that might even make me cringe, but I don't, I can't necessarily just shuck it off and hate it because that poem was at one point a part of me and it did things for other people, for people who read it. It was a piece of someone's day or maybe their week. And so that has to be respected about it. Beautiful. I never thought about it from an audience perspective, I guess. That goes perfectly into uh, what we're kind of doing here, a gear shift during the episode that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. which is the idea of artists hating their own work, which we just you just touched on it very nicely there. But we're going to go a little deeper into it because I have a kind of fun segment that I'm really excited about. The idea of artists hating their own work, I feel like it's very common, especially with certain mediums. I know a lot of people who do um, like traditional painting, they have that a lot. And I have heard or seen those kind of sentiments from you in the past. I know that's not how you truly feel it's you know more of a passing thing in the mm -hmm. heat of a moment but I, I do also struggle with not liking my work and I think broader than just artists anyone can struggle with not liking something they've made or done it's a part of the human condition so I just want to delve into this idea Aiden what are your thoughts on this do you have any ideas on why you think this happens to people, why you think it's so common for so many artists to hate what they've spent so much time and effort creating. I feel like the thing about 
kind of falling in hate with your art is that you have spent so much time with it. And so like, if it doesn't evoke the idea that you initially wanted, it's frustrating. Or in terms of traditional like visual art forms and at times writing, the art doesn't come together until the end. And it may take you so long to get to that perfect ending that you just want to give up because like you're looking at it and you're like, this is absolute crap. But then you have to get to like the end of it. Like I know I struggled for a long time with having to like actually revise work and get good and consistent in revising poems because it'd, it'd be like, I have to spend more time with this thing that I'm so frustrated by and it's taking so long to actually get good. So when like the art isn't immediately good, isn't immediately what we want it to be, it gets frustrating. I know in my own experience, oftentimes the art that I tend to hate on the most, the poems that I tend to be like, gosh, I hate this so much, or like, gosh, this is so bad. Can someone please read it and tell me what's wrong with it? Is because I'm kind of afraid of it. Like I said earlier with that hybrid piece I've been working on, I had never written hybrid work before. This specific poem tackled some ideas in queer theory and my own life and kind of trying to mesh them together. And I was scared that I was doing something wrong or that it wasn't working out. Or like I may have a very vulnerable piece. And I'm like, gosh, I am so genuinely scared of what is happening here. I want it to convey perfectly everything that I'm feeling, but nothing can be perfect. The more I hate something probably means the more afraid of it I am and the more excited by it I am. You're saying it's kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to a fear of confrontation of part of yourself, almost. Yeah, it's definitely kind of rooted in that, in these kind of fears. Like I know through writing and through actual therapy, like this short little note, a lot of people like try to be like, my art is my therapy. No, it's art therapy is therapy. Like it can be therapeutic, but it is not a substitute for therapy. And then like through actual experiences with that, the art kind of, I try to stop myself sometimes because I'm scared. Um, my big thing in therapy was that I would always put up walls. A lot of my friends might know me as this talkative person, but when it gets down to it, a lot of times I am like really uncomfortable with my own thoughts. And so like, I'm scared of what might come of them. I'm scared of the consequences possibly of this thing and so when I get to these tender subjects and these poems that mean a lot to me, it's scary because I'm like, how will others receive this? How will I receive this when it's done? Is this poem mm. going to be representative or is it going to just fall flat? This is going to switch an emotional tone, I believe, here. I went through your Twitter and I screenshotted some tweets that pertain to this topic. And with oh. your permission, I would like to read a selection. Okay, I am scared, <laughs> but read away. He said, 
I swear, every time I start writing something, I have the thought to quit writing. One of my classic favorites, palm machine broke. And will I finish my homework or will I continue to criticize my old poems? Very relatable content. How do you feel from me reading the things you wrote about yourself? The thing is, I can talk about how much I hate poetry and how much I hate especially my own poetry. But when it comes down to it, like this is a common sentiment among writers, like I love writing, but at the same time, it can be the worst thing in the world. The act of it helps me think through my thoughts and different actions and different events and like helps me contextualize my own life and all these other things in the world but it it can be just so tiring I'll call myself out the other day I tweeted I just had to step away from my computer because I couldn't decide between using the word then or and I hate poetry the thing about poetry in particular is that there's an economy of language so you have to think a lot about what words you're using, what effect they will have, because you're working in this generally shorter form than like short stories or like any kind of prose writing. And so like you're thinking a lot about what effect will this word have over this word? What does it mean if I use a comma here or an M dash? And so it can be emotionally and, and at times just mentally taxing. But it's also my favorite thing in the world. I want to do it for a living to some extent. I'm studying it. And so that's kind of where I've come at it from. Like, I hate it, but without it, I don't know where I'd be. I feel like that's something a lot of people can relate to in terms of their art of choice or their hobby of choice. What do you think sets you apart from other poets or what makes you unique? I just feel like the big thing about writing is voice. Nearly anyone can be a good or decent writer, but it takes something else to like flesh out that voice. I just think the big thing about writing is that find, once you find a voice and if it's unique, that's what sets you apart. I don't know, I've been told that I have found a unique voice and in some instances, I feel like that's very true. And so I think that's what makes me a different poet from someone else is that no matter how much I tried to write poems, like how some of my favorite poets, like how Tommy Pico wrote poems or how like Kaveh Akbar writes poems, I'll never be them and I'll never actually write like them because in the end, all I have left with is myself and my own words. The voice is what sets me apart. It's what sets us all apart in terms of art. And I think it's very important. Do you have any poet or collection 
recommendations for our listeners? Well, of course, I have my favorite, like the poet who got me into poetry, Tommy Pico, only writes book length work. But the the place I started was his second book, Nature Poem, which is just a very like beautiful, amazing book. I love it. I love the way it's paced. Tommy Pico even writes that he wants to write a book that you read in one sitting. And that's how I feel. I feel compelled to just go through it all the way. Another collection I absolutely adore is Kaveh Akbar's book, Calling a Wolf a Wolf, just full of devastating poems in the best way possible. Those poems just get in your head. Crush by Richard Sykin, a classic, an amazing book, especially for those of us deeply afflicted by unrequited love. And a particular poem that I keep returning to, and I return to a lot throughout my first year of college and during this quarantine, during this moment, is Gabrielle Cavalcaresi's poem, Hammond B3 Organ Cistern, is just an amazing poem, gets me every time, yeah, there's so much I love that like I wish I could recommend here. Um, I'll probably tweet about things at some point. So going to my Twitter is also a good place. Going to my Twitter or my Instagram to find book recommendations. I'm always willing to give them out. And also remember to not just read poems if you write them. Because like poems are great and you should be reading poems to get better at writing them. I can't imagine where I would be if I had just been writing and not reading like that I don't feel like is I don't feel like it's possible to really develop as a writer without reading other writers not a poetry collection but a book that is also very important to me in terms of writing is Alexander Chi's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel it's a book of essays Alexander Chi is an essayist a novelist this book is absolutely amazing. It may sound like a how-to book, but it's not necessarily a how-to book. They're personal essays, and I adore them. Did you do an event over Zoom or something with other poets or something like that, like a reading event? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. There, um, a lot of people, a lot of places and people are trying to set up, like, online readings. Um, I participated in this one called Tweet Speak Live over Zoom, where um, just a bunch of writers got together to share poems, stories. I even tuned in to it earlier on in the night. It was like an all night, like from, I think, 6.30 to like 11.30 or something oh, wow. reading. I may be exaggerating that number, but I tuned in at one point and there was a stand-up comic and who was hilarious. I wish I could remember his name. But yeah, it was just this very amazing event held over Zoom. Yeah, that was um, hashtag tweet speak live. That's so cool. Yeah, just reminding all y'all out there that 
there still are happening everywhere. It's just not mm -hmm. in person right now. Another thing I think I saw on social media was a poem specifically about, I forget the title, so I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like an ode to bleaching my hair in the sink or something like oh, that that um, you wrote. It was ode to bleaching my hair during quarantine. Oh, it was a very like little short Instagram poem. There's this account I follow that I love. They always post nice little Instagram poems, a Metatron Press. And they were asking for people to send in. They, they asked for calls for a micro meta, which are their like little Instagrammable poems that they, that they post on their page. And they were asking specifically, like they were giving more attention to poets who were writing things, people who were writing their thoughts or poems about living in this time, living in like having to deal with COVID-19 and quarantine. And so I kind of just wrote a very little like poem thought about bleaching my hair during quarantine and kind of existing. Well, congratulations. That's so cool. What has been inspiring you lately? Ooh, lately? I would say a lot of what I've been thinking about, certain things don't change. Like I, I love writing about love. So I'm always inspired by romantic events, especially like queer romantic events. One of my favorite things to read is this adorable letter that Frida Kahlo sent to Georgia O'Keeffe because they were lovers at a time and like it is just this really tender letter and that has inspired me just tenderness and romance inspires me often and now being separated from college and all the things that I love to do and going outside that kind of thing I've also been inspired to write about just more mundane events or things that I miss. I'm just inspired by weird little tender things and events that I miss now. Last question. I ask this of everyone who guests on the show. What is your 2020 vision or manifestation? It can be for yourself, for your poetry, anything you want. I feel like I often have ideas and just don't I, like I have more ideas than I execute. I'd really love to work towards being able to not even publish a book, but have like enough poems that I like to fill out a book or even write a long poem like some of my favorite poets who work in that book length poetic form. Aside from that, like in terms of just myself existing as a person, I have want I've loved school and like so I've wanted to do academic things for a while and like academia at times is kind of gross and frustrating but I do still think that someday I might want to go to grad school and like possibly get myself into a position where I can teach poems and help share poems with other people. That's so cool. That's a great manifestation to have. Do you have anything else you want to say to the people? I 
am fairly active and I'll try to use them for business sometimes, but you can find myself and at times my writing on just about any social media at Aiden Aragon, no spaces, just my name and stay safe out there. Remember to be tender with yourself and just consume art. Art is amazing, pay artists and just spread love and tenderness. I am a sap and I would love a hug so much right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. Thank you for being here with me, Aiden. Not physically, but virtually. And thank you all who are listening in this time. It's crazy time, but it's, you know, a good time to sit down and listen to a good old podcast. So come back next time for another episode of We Like to Make Stuff with me, your host, Becca Pleer. As always, we are brought to you by the incomparable WSUM 91.7 FM Madison.